I think the phrase, I just learned something new today, is going to be a new habit of mine, one that I never want to break. I'm using the Great Courses Plus to learn new things, and you can too. And get a free month of learning while you're at it by visiting thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. And uh, before we get into our main topics today, I just want to say how grateful I am, not only for the people listening to the show, but for the people that also joined the Facebook group, the Overwhelmed Brain Empowerment Group. I think there's about 2,000 right now or just under that as of this recording. And um, the reason I'm saying that is I was going through, I added some new members today, and um, I always write a welcome post for new members and I just thought, you know, you could spend your time anywhere you want on the web, anywhere on Facebook, anywhere in any group, and you decided to spend your time over there. And I am just so grateful when people choose to spend their time in a place where I am. <laughs> I mean, it's a group that I created that allows you to be yourself. It allows you to vent, to express, to share and especially to look for support. Most people, uh, when they ask questions, they're saying, hey, what do you think I should do here? And sometimes I have time to chime in and sometimes I don't, but there's so many brilliant minds in there. I mean, I'm only telling you this not because I want everyone to join. It's totally up to you if you want to do it, but I am just grateful for the people that are in there and the people that join because it just seems like they feel like they can be themselves or at least more of themselves than anywhere else. I call it a judgment-free zone. I call it the safest place on the internet. And I weed out the baddies, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I weed out the people that don't necessarily have everyone else's best interest in mind. You know, sometimes they slip through and I have to get them out of there. But I've been doing this for several years now. And um, the group has grown, and it just feels like a safe place. As soon as I go into the group, it feels like a safe place. People are just expressing. So I'm only sharing this with you in case you're looking for that safe place. It is the Overwhelmed Brain Empowerment Group. It's a Facebook group. And uh, when you go over there, you'll have to answer a couple questions to get in. But um, if you want to join, it is available. I hope to see you in there. I read every single post that's in there. So that's a great way to get your questions answered too because there's a lot of people that write to me on the web they go to my website theoverwhelmedbrain.com and they fill out the contact form and they share their personal challenge with me or just uh, say something nice about me which is amazing and also every now and then they'll send me something um, criticizing me it doesn't happen often but I think it was just well, last Monday or I think so uh, that somebody wrote to me and criticized me. And I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, a lot of people write to me through the contact form and I get so many emails. I do. I get so many emails that it's nearly impossible to answer them all. But that's why I have the group so we can all connect there and uh, get everyone else's opinion. I mean, if you have a challenge going on, that's kind of a great place to share the challenge because not only do you get the opinions of the people that listen to my show and probably can share what I've said in the past, you know, in case I can't get to that post, but you'll also hear their opinions too. And most of them are brilliant. Most people in there have really amazing answers. And I just sit there reading these answers and thinking uh, everyone could have their own podcast. <laughs> Every one of these people can have their own show. You know the answers. And 
that's one of the things I want to say in this first segment is you know most of the answers. Sometimes it's hard to implement those answers, but I look at it where, like my girlfriend told me once, that she was in therapy, and she said the therapist asked her, if I were in your shoes and you were in mine, what would you tell me to do? And my girlfriend answered, and she gave the right answer. I'm not going to tell you what it was, but it was about her husband and when they were married and they were having problems. But she gave that answer, and suddenly she knew the answers. But she was presented with that scenario, and she suddenly knew the right answer. I think that's a great way to uh, help yourself. It's a great way to be your own coach or therapist, is to ask yourself, if I were my therapist, if I were my coach, what would I tell me? I see me sitting over there in the chair, I'm behind the desk, or I'm sitting in this chair over here. Me over there says, oh, I'm having this problem. So I put myself in the shoes of the therapist or coach, and then I say, here's my suggestion, or here's what I want you to think about. I do that to myself sometimes. What would I do if I were me? (laughs) You know, I'm a coach. So I ask myself that. What would I tell myself? Or sometimes I'll ask myself, what would Asha want me to do? I don't say her name too much on the show, but that's my girlfriend. What would Asha want me to do? What would she want me to do? Because I think she's smart too. I think she's brilliant. And sometimes she has answers that blow me away. So I think, what would she tell me to do? And then I have this conversation in my head. And I think that's a really neat way to come up with solutions sometimes. doesn't mean you're going to be right all the time, but I guarantee you it's going to change the direction of your thought process. And if you can change the direction of your thought process, maybe you'll find a solution. Doesn't mean all solutions are easy to implement, but it does help you think differently. And thinking differently is something that we all need to do when we're in a challenge that we can't resolve. Uh, What was it? Einstein or somebody, I think it might have been Einstein, says, and I'm going to paraphrase this, we can't solve the problems with the thinking that got us into those problems in the first place. I totally massacred what he said, but that's the gist of it. The type of thinking that got you into the problem or challenge in the first place can't be the same type of thinking that gets you out of it because it got you there. Very similar to what I talk about to people regarding difficult relationships. If you're in a difficult relationship and your partner does a certain behavior or says a certain thing and you respond the same way every time, you're not going to get those different results, that definition of insanity thing. You're, you're going to get the same results. So if your partner says something that hurts you and you tell your partner, oh, you know, that really hurts, or you cry or you be silent because you're processing or whatever you do, if you do that over and over again and nothing ever changes, then what you're doing isn't working we get ourselves into these situations where we think if they see me hurting or if they see that I am processing or if they know what they're doing is wrong, they'll stop. So we have this mindset that if they know they're doing something wrong, they'll stop. So we continue to behave as if we're hurt or surprised or shocked or angry or whatever it is, yet they don't stop. We need to reevaluate how we respond and change our response. I'm not saying we have to do that, but I think that's how we get different results. We change our response. So if you always cry after somebody says something to you, maybe this time you don't cry, maybe you laugh. It's just an example, it's just an idea. But what would happen if you laughed? Maybe they would get mad at me, maybe they would uh, yell at me, maybe that is true. And maybe that's not a good suggestion for you. So maybe laughing is not the right thing. But it's changing the direction of your thought process. This is something that I've been trying to teach on this show since day one. If somebody tells you, you need to have a conversation with this person and tell them they're out of line, um, and you've done that already and nothing ever changes, then I'm going to come on here and say, here's what you should try instead. And it might be something that is totally opposite of that. 
uh, it's like the triangulation thing I talked about uh, an episode or two back where somebody wrote and said, you know, my so-and-so sister or somebody talks about me saying that my mother said these things about me or saying that somebody else is saying these things about me. And so this triangulation occurs where she pits one person against me and I'm trying to defend myself against her, but I'm thinking that she's lying about this other person that's being pit against me. So it becomes complicated. And I asked her a response and she said, it's defending myself. I'm, I always defend myself and I can't get out of the cycle of defending myself. And I said, well, instead of having that response, why don't you just call your mom right away and verify what she said? And that will provide immediate accountability for what someone is saying about you that someone else is saying about you. I don't have the story exactly correct, but that's pretty much how it goes. If somebody says that somebody else said something about you, then get that person involved. Okay, let's get her on the phone right now. Let's talk to her and see what she says because I want to clear this up. And then the person who's trying to create this triangulation scenario is suddenly going to feel accountable for what they said which will likely prevent them from doing that in the future. And this is what I mean by changing your response, is by doing something differently, it changes someone else's behavior. So you might have a go-to response of being upset or being angry or crying or defending yourself. All of that is probably valid. I mean, you, you have a right to be upset if it upsets you, but you also have a right to take action. And you, you change the course of your thinking. You change your direction. And you move into a space that provides this accountability or provides a closer step to a solution so you can resolve the problem. It's like I told somebody the other day, I hate things that aren't closed. <laughs> I, I need closure. I need to find out. And sometimes I can and sometimes I can't. Sometimes you can't reach closure. But when you can, you might have to ask people, what do you really mean by that? Or in a relationship, do you still love me? Is a very closing question. Are you still in love with me? Is an even more closing question. Like, you're going to get the answer, hopefully, but you may not like that answer. Because sometimes getting closure is scary, but it is the first step toward progress and healing. Most of the time. So before I go way off on a tangent there, I'm going to bring it back to what I was talking about earlier about uh, how it's hard to reach me through email. I do get them. I do read them all. just can't respond to them all or address them on the air as much as I want to. But uh, I did receive a very uh, critical email of somebody. I'm not even going to read it. it um, I couldn't sleep for hours. Somebody said um, that I was a terrible person and I believed that they weren't worthy and they didn't deserve somebody in their life and how dare I say that if somebody doesn't want me that I'm not worthy of it. I don't it was it was very hurtful, it was very critical and um I immediately felt awful because I'm thinking oh, oh my god, what did I say? What did I say to this person? And it took me some time. I I read it right before bed, which was stupid. I shouldn't have read it right before bed, but uh, it was hurtful, and I could tell that this person who wrote it was hurt. So I believe um, the person who wrote is a, a female, so if she is listening right now, I want to say thank you for sharing that, first of all. Because whatever you're feeling is valid, and however you interpreted what I said is how you interpreted it, and it is up to me to make sure that you know always that you are worthy and wonderful and amazing. And I hope that I never, ever came across that way where I've said that somebody wasn't worthy of love or anything like that. Because the message had to do with if somebody doesn't want you, I think that's how she worded it, that it means that you're not worthy of their love. I can't recall ever saying that, but if that's how she took it, then it's important for me to make sure that I never, ever gloss over anything that somebody might take that way. Because, you know, I, I've done seven years or seven plus years right now of this show, and there are times where I'll remember saying something in a previous episode, and maybe I thought I said it in this episode, but it didn't come out, and so somebody might have taken it the wrong way. But let me just say two things to this person. Thank you so much for sharing that. It hurt, and I think it was meant to hurt. Um, at the same time, 
please know that I believe you're amazing. I really do. And if somebody doesn't want you, that's on them. That's not about you at all. It doesn't mean you're not worthy. It doesn't mean you're not lovable. It doesn't mean you're not amazing. It has nothing to do with you. Just like you can choose to be with anyone you want to be, but if you chose not to be with that person, does that mean that that person is not lovable? Now, some people might listen to this and think, well, no, I know people that aren't lovable, but I think most of the people listening to this, if they don't love someone, they don't look at that person as unlovable. They don't look at that person as unworthy. Most people. I mean, there are some people that are really terrible, and I get it. There are some people that you've had in your life that you might think, oh, no, I don't want anything to do with them. I'm 99.99% confident that if you're listening to this show and you're working on yourself and you are trying to improve who you are from the deepest level and you hear my words throughout the many hundreds and hundreds of hours of content that I've put out there over the years, if you have listened to more than 10 minutes of any episode ever, then you care about yourself and love yourself enough to want to make yourself the best version of you. And because of that, that is worthy. That shows that you are compassionate. That shows that you are caring. That shows that you want to show up for other people in a good way. And sometimes other people don't show up in a good way for you. Sometimes those people will not be the person you hope that they are for many reasons. But it's not really up to you to explore those reasons. It's up to you to just stay focused on being the best version of yourself because People who care about themselves care about others. When you care about others, that makes you lovable. When you have compassion for others, that makes you worthy. When you are giving to others, that makes you amazing. There's so many things that make someone worthy and compassionate and lovable. And when you are working on yourself, you develop all these amazing qualities because you want to show up in the world as the best version of you. And when you do that, There's no question that you're worthy, important, and lovable, and all of the wonderful things that you are. And some people are going to see it, and some people aren't. And that's the worst part of, sometimes, of relationships, is that some people will see this in you, and some people won't. Some people won't even look. They're too busy looking at other things. They're too busy thinking about themselves and how they can be self-serving. They're just too busy doing other things in their mind or they just don't care. But that has nothing to do with you being not lovable enough or not worthy enough or not important. It has nothing to do with that because some people are on their own path and sometimes that path is the same path that we're traveling and sometimes it's their own. But it has nothing to do with who you are at the deepest level and how you're showing up in the world when you are being kind and compassionate and caring and loving toward yourself and others. So to the person who wrote to me, I am grateful that you invest emotional energy into yourself and that you care about yourself so much that you are willing to write to me and call me a jerk or whatever you call me and tell me that I'm a terrible person for thinking that you were unworthy and that you didn't deserve love. I certainly never meant for anything I said to come across that way. And I hope you keep listening because I certainly don't want you to think that's how I feel. There's a reason I come on the air every week hoping that you will have the best life possible, that you can get into the best relationships possible, and to remind you that you are absolutely amazing and I am grateful to be on this planet with you. So thank you again for writing. I have no idea if you're still listening to the show. I really do hope you are because I want the best for you. I want the very best for you. And I never want you to believe anyone that makes you feel unworthy or unlovable because they don't know the truth. They haven't healed from whatever's going on in them, and so they make other people feel bad. And I never want that to happen to you. So I was kind of all over the place in this first segment, but I'm going to change it up a little bit. And um, I have an email that I'm going to read or a short piece of an email when we come back. And uh, coming up next is our sponsor ad. And I want to tell you something. If you listen to that, I want to tell you a little trick that I learned. Because like I said at the beginning of the show, I learned something new today. (laughs) It's something that I actually am very familiar with. But I learned a new way 
of doing it, and it's pretty interesting. So I want you to stay tuned, and when we return, I'll tell you about that, and then uh, we'll talk about that email. Be right back. There's a course on the Great Courses Plus that I'm watching right now called Outsmart Yourself, Brain-Based Strategies to a Better You. I talked about it in another episode as well. But um, one of the things that I learned, which is very interesting, is about stopping a bad habit. And they said, you know, when you stop a bad habit, you need to replace it with something else. And, you know, that makes sense. I really liked the process they take you through, which is just make notes about when you do the habit. That's it. They said, don't try to change it, at least at first. Don't try to change it. If you bite your fingernails or you smoke and you want to stop, then every time you do one of these things, make a note, you know, this is what I did at this time and for how long, and that's it. I smoked at this time for how long. And just do it every single time you do the habit. Just taking a note and raising awareness of it every single time not only interrupts the pattern of doing it unconsciously, but it actually starts to trigger something else in the brain that causes you to want to stop or do it less often simply because you're more aware of it. I think that is so cool, and I'm learning it in this course. One of thousands of lectures that you'll find in The Great Courses Plus, I highly recommend you check them out. You get a free month. Of the Great Courses Plus, if you go to thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain, that's a free month of unlimited access to any course they have on there. And while they're offering it, I recommend you take advantage of it. You can learn what you want, when you want to learn it, wherever you are in the world. You can watch it on your computer or your mobile phone, and you can even listen to it while you're driving or while you're doing laundry. There are so many opportunities to learn and feed your curiosity about virtually anything. Speak a new language, learn how to play chess, dive into World War II, explore the universe. There's so much there and they're probably the highest quality videos I've seen in training material. I mean, everything is so well done and so well thought of on how things are laid out and how it will be presented that I think you're going to really love it. Check it out. Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain Get your free month of unlimited access today. Take advantage of this great offer while it lasts. And speaking of great things, I want to tell you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a professional counseling service that you can use online. They have a messaging system. You can use it on the phone or on video chat. And when you sign up, they assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You know, we were just talking about great things. This is a great service. I've actually heard more feedback on BetterHelp than any sponsor ever. And I've heard a lot of great things about almost every single one of our sponsors. But this one's had the most feedback so far because it's just an effective service that works. They're doing the right thing over there. They are helping people improve their mental health and well-being. And if you are trying to figure out what's interfering with your happiness... Or maybe you're trying to figure out what's preventing you from achieving your goals. BetterHelp may be your solution. You know, when I first had them on the show, I got to vet their service. I got to vet the people that work for them. And I was impressed. So I think you will be too if you are dealing with anything like depression, stress, relationships. If you're having trouble sleeping. If you're having a family conflict. If you have any LGBT matters or Grief or self-esteem, they they cover everything, of course. It's therapy. You know what to expect in therapy, except you don't have to sit in the waiting room. You could just do this from the comfort of your home or your car, on your phone or your computer. It's so accessible, and it's such a beneficial service. If you're looking for something like this, check them out over at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash brain. If you go to that website, you'll get 10% off your first month. As soon as you sign up, you can start communicating in under 24 hours. This isn't self-help. This is actual professional one-on-one counseling. And I think you'll find it extremely helpful for you as well. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P 
Facebook.com forward slash brain. Get 10% off your first month today. Welcome back. Like I said, I'm going to read an email here. It's a short one, but it is an important topic that I think a lot of us might have to deal with. Uh, in fact, there's two personality aspects in this email that uh, we'll address, and I'm just going to read it to you and we'll see where we go. This person wrote, Hi, I'm in my 30s and I started therapy about a couple years ago, and it has helped me a lot. I always recommend therapy and your podcast to my friends. Thank you. My wife and I are about to have a baby, and I was hoping to give you a topic to talk about for your podcast. My father is a narcissist and is extremely passive-aggressive. If I try to protect my wife from his attacks, I really have a hard time protecting her because his attacks are so passive-aggressive, I don't realize it until after the fact. My wife sees it right away. I grew up with this, so I thought it was the norm. Can you talk about protecting with passive-aggressive people? I think you mean protecting yourself or your loved ones. Uh, I have no clue how to stop it. Thank you for doing this podcast. It helps a lot. Uh, guys tend not to do therapy, but I think they should. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for writing. And uh, yeah, I don't know if many men don't go to therapy, but um, some probably should. Sure, some people listen to this show and some people do their own work and some people do no work at all. And it sounds like maybe your father is one of those people so you said two things that are important here. One, my father is a narcissist. And two, he's extremely passive-aggressive. I almost look at these things as two different people or categories. The reason is, is because if your father truly is a narcissist, like narcissistic personality disorder, then passive-aggressive doesn't sound like it fits in that category. It might, I mean, there might be passive-aggressive narcissistic people out there, but if he's truly a narcissist, then this differentiates him from other people that are just passive-aggressive with narcissistic tendencies, in my opinion. I haven't done research on this or studied specifically passive-aggressive behavior with narcissism, but I would definitely treat this as two different things. My first question which um, I don't know the answer to, I'm just going to have to ask you this to make you think about it, is does your father have any empathy whatsoever with anyone? If you say yes, but only one of his children or a couple of his children or just me or just somebody else, then he may still be narcissistic, but maybe not to the full breadth of what narcissistic personality disorder consists of. I try to avoid putting everything in under one label on this show, but typically somebody with NPD is going to have no empathy whatsoever. He or she's not going to care about anything and doesn't really have to be passive aggressive because they don't care. They're not going to care how you feel, so they'll probably be direct. That's my guess. Again, that's not a professional opinion, so I might be wrong about that. But I'm going to assume that if somebody has no empathy, they're not going to care how what they're saying is taken. I suppose that could lead to passive-aggressive personality behaviors, but for the most part, I would say that I think most narcissistic people probably aren't passive-aggressive, but I, I definitely could be wrong about that. But I'm treating this separately only because of the response that I'm going to give you because if he is a narcissist, then trying to make him see the error of his ways so that he will feel bad or feel for uh, your wife or yourself will not work at all. It has no bearing on his behavior whatsoever. True narcissistic people don't care. They don't care. It's like um, the interview I saw with this, I think it was a serial killer. It was on TV, he was in prison, and the guy was interviewing him, and he said, do you have any uh, regret or remorse for killing those people? And he said, I don't care. I just don't care. It doesn't bother me at all. I don't think about it. And it was just very plain expression as if he said, no, I don't like bologna and cheese sandwiches. I don't care about them. That's how detached and disconnected he was from other people. He had zero empathy, didn't care, and was probably psychotic or truly narcissistic or both or whatever. But 
it was very evident that there was no empathy present there and no compassion and just didn't care. There are some people that just don't care. So I really believe you need to weed out these people that don't care. Put the filter on your life and say, these are the people that just don't care no matter what I say to them, no matter what I do to show them that they're hurting me, no matter what, they don't care. So I'm not going to try to convince them of changing or seeing the error in their ways because they don't care. So if that's your father, just doesn't care, then anything that you do to try to convince him that he's doing bad behavior in hopes to connect with his emotions or pull at his heartstrings will not work. So if you've tried any of that stuff, it doesn't work if he's a true narcissist. Now, the reason I asked if he had any empathy toward anyone else and then separated his children from there is sometimes narcissistic people will uh, favor a child. I don't know if they favor more than one child, but there's usually a golden child and there's usually the loser child in their perspective, not mine, (laughs) their perspective. This one child can't do anything wrong and the other child can't do anything right. And so the golden child is the favorite and no matter what they do, it's wonderful and they get praise and they're so smart and they're so successful and it's just a constant positive atmosphere for that person, even though there's a lot of toxicity going on in there. And then the other child or more than one child is suffering a lot because they're being neglected in so many other ways. So you have narcissists in the world that will have this kind of relationship with their children and simply not care about anyone else. They are the cheaters, the liars, the stealers, or some narcissists aren't those things too. But if they do those things, then they just won't care that they did those things. Now you have people with narcissistic tendencies that are all about doing whatever they need to do to get their needs met, to feed their narcissistic supply, which you know NPD people do as well, and doing whatever they can to feed their ego or feed their um, need for attention and love. And uh, they do so in a way that is also toxic. But the reason I separated the narcissist from the passive aggressive person is because if there's no empathy, then you, again, can't play on their emotions. Now, let's just say that he's not a full narcissist and he's just narcissistic. If he is just narcissistic without the personality disorder, then it makes more sense that he might be extremely passive aggressive. And this is the meat of your question. What about protecting yourself and others around passive aggressive people? You know, it's funny that you ask this because I come from a place in my own history where I used to be passive aggressive. I I used to be the person that was never direct, was always non-confrontational, and always tried to speak what was on my mind in a way that affected the other person in order to control them or make them feel bad. And my passive aggressiveness wasn't extreme like you're saying here, but I did it enough so that I could get the message across to the other person. And it's funny because I hope my girlfriend never hears this, but she's done this to me a few times and she's really no longer like this at all, maybe because of some of the stuff I'm about to talk about. But when we first met, she would say things that were like very passive aggressive and I thought what the heck she's being so passive aggressive and I use this example all the time she might say something like well somebody put the dishes in wrong somebody put the dishes in wrong and now they're chipped you know talking about putting the dishes in the dishwasher and I would ask her are you talking about me (laughs) so I would be direct do you mean that I put the dishes in wrong and then she would say well it wasn't me I'm always careful, but somebody did this. Mind you, there's only two of us (laughs) in the house. So this stuff came out while we're having conversations and it would just pop out of her mouth. And I heard the passive aggressiveness right away. And I would call her out on it. You know, first thing I would say is, do you mean me? And she would say, like I said before, uh, somebody did. I know it wasn't me. And then I would ask, well, why didn't you just say, hey, I think you put the dishes in the wrong way? And um, I forget what she would say to that, but it was basically me making the statement or question or whatever it was more direct, meaning I am turning the passive aggressiveness into an active 
assertiveness, I guess you could call it. I want the passiveness to go away. I want to clarify passivity into activity or activeness. And when you do that, what you're doing is taking out the ambiguity. You have to have the clarity. The reason is because it forces the other person to be either confrontational or direct or assertive or whatever they need to be, which is very scary to the passive-aggressive person. Fifteen years ago, when I was passive-aggressive, if somebody said, what do you mean by that exactly? Like if I said something passive-aggressive and um, the person I was with said, what do you mean by that? That would force me to have to explain it a little bit more or try to backpedal out of it. Either way, how can I say this? Either way, it's kind of fun for the person asking the question. (laughs) So if I were to ask that question, what do you mean by that? To a passive-aggressive person, it's kind of fun to see what happens next. And I don't know, that might be a little harsh to say because, you know, you might be creating some conflict here. It may not be fun for you, but now where I am today, it's kind of fun to see someone back out of the passive aggressiveness when I make it direct and active. So I am actively seeking to eliminate the ambiguity to create clarity so that it's no longer passive aggressive. What you're saying is that you don't recognize that passive-aggressive behavior at first, but just the fact that you wrote to me and shared this, uh, two things are going to happen. One, you're more aware that passive-aggressiveness will happen. And two, you might even recognize passive-aggressive behavior in yourself because if your father has done it and that's how you've known it to be all your life, you may have it in you as well. And because of that... Here's what I want you to do. This is how I do things too. You need to learn when you do it so that you recognize it in others. It can be very helpful to know when you do it so that you recognize it in others. And all you have to do is ask yourself, am I being direct or am I trying to avoid confrontation here? There's a big difference between saying, well, someone didn't put the dishes in right and saying, hey, you didn't put the dishes in right. Because the second one might be confrontational. And passive-aggressive people hate confrontation. They don't want to deal with it. They don't know how to deal with it. But if you want to thwart the passive-aggressive behavior, you need to ask the question, what do you mean by that? I think that's a great question. Or something like it that helps to clarify it. Like, can you be more specific? Because often what happens is that when somebody says something passive-aggressive, Some people are so used to it, like yourself, that you might actually feel an emotion when it's happening, but swallow that emotion. You'll stuff it back down. So you might have a little twinge of anger, and then you'll stuff it back down because you don't want to deal with it, you don't want to confront. Passive aggressiveness works so much better on passive, non-confrontational people. For me, if somebody was passive aggressive toward me, I would get a little twinge of anger or upset, swallow it, and then either be passive-aggressive back or just hold on to that and walk away or just say something else and change the subject. Um, Do something like my mom does is redirect. I don't know if she does that with passive-aggressiveness anymore, but if she doesn't want to talk about something, she will redirect right away. (laughs) She will say, so what's going on with you? She'll say something like that when I ask her a question that's really causing her to connect with something that she doesn't want to connect with. Passive-aggressive people do not want to connect with an emotion that's going on inside of them or do not want to deal with somebody else's emotional state. So they'll say things in a way that isn't direct enough to be confrontational but isn't ambiguous enough to be benign. So they often get away with it, especially with people that are used to their passive-aggressive behavior And what you need to do when you are used to someone's passive-aggressive behavior, and especially now that this person who wrote is aware that he's used to that behavior, is to start asking yourself, what do I feel when he says that? Because your emotions might be flying by in a flash. They might just be going lightning fast and you're missing them. And at the same time, you're incrementally compounding those emotions inside of you 
probably building up some sort of level of upset or anger. Because if there has been passive aggressiveness in your family all your life, I can't imagine that you got so used to it that it had no effect on you whatsoever. I mean, I might be wrong about that, but typically there's some sort of effect, some sort of residual when somebody does passive-aggressive behavior and a lingering upset or anger or negativity inside of you and a lingering negativity inside of them as well because they have all this buildup and they want to express what's going on inside of them, but they do it in such a passive way and they just wait or hope that you'll get it and change what you're doing or it's a way to control you, like it sounds like it might be for your father, which is almost the same thing. Somebody wants to change what you're doing, and they're doing things like this, they're being passive-aggressive, is sort of a way to attempt to control you as well. So you got to be very careful with your own passive-aggressive behavior and their passive-aggressive behavior, because there's a lot of negativity that builds up inside. But I do believe a good way to thwart passive-aggressive behavior is to notice it in yourself. I mean... What is passive-aggressive behavior? It's when you are indirect about something that bothers you and you want to express to the other person in a way that is non-confrontational and makes them feel bad in some way. It's almost emotional abuse. There's like a fine line between passive-aggressive behavior and emotionally abusive behavior, but I'm not going to label that at all. But when you want to make someone feel bad about something, that's often an emotionally abusive behavior. But let's say it's not emotionally abusive and your father is doing this passive-aggressive behavior. Noticing it in yourself helps you start to identify it and also use your wife as the indicator that when there is a passive-aggressive statement, she gives you the nod, she gives you the raised eyebrow, and you can replay what he said or did in your mind and learn what his passive-aggressive behavior sounds like. And really, all it is is figuring out where he's being indirect. That doesn't mean he's always passive-aggressive. I'm just looking for the times he's being indirect. And is there an underlayer of wanting the other person to learn something from what he's saying in a way that makes them feel bad or is a way to control them? Whatever it is, you just want to get into that space where you're more aware, more observant, and you will start picking this up. And when you pick it up, the next step is to transform whatever statement is made or whatever question is asked, transform what they said into something active and direct. So they're no longer passive, they're active, and they're no longer aggressive, they're just direct and that might mean confrontational to some people but I think there's a difference between being direct hey you put the dishes in the wrong way Uh, could you please put them in another way next time and being aggressive which is I can't believe you did this what are you thinking these are my dishes they're expensive and you don't care about me and you don't love me that could be in there too but direct is usually more factual and aggressive is usually more opinionated. So you, you look for that too. Passive aggressiveness has some opinions laid in there and some unexpressed anger or upset that isn't being expressed. And if you're not used to identifying that, it's just going to take practice. So you have the golden opportunity here of someone who recognizes passive aggressive behavior. Um, I would ask your wife to tell you when you're being passive aggressive as well. I mean, maybe you don't. Maybe you didn't pick it up, but most often, especially behavior that you haven't recognized in someone else, that in a caretaker that raised you, most often you have it in yourself, but I can't say that you do or don't. But ask your wife, am I ever passive-aggressive? She might laugh. <laughs> She'll go, oh, yeah. <laughs> and if she does, then you know that you do it too. And ask her to help you recognize it, because as soon as you recognize it in yourself, you're going to recognize it in other people as well. Everything that I've healed from in myself, I recognize in others. So it's very difficult to get some things past me because I was you. I was that person. Uh, You're being emotionally abusive, but hey, I was you too. I know exactly what that looks like. You're being judgmental. You're being controlling. You're being manipulative. You're being passive aggressive. You're lying. I was all those things. I was all those things, and I learned to recognize those behaviors in myself 
which is why I can come on the air totally unscripted and tell you my life story that is a lesson for everyone to not do these things or start to heal from these things so that they aren't in your life from other people, not just in yourself. Yes, you can improve yourself, you can grow and heal and evolve into a new version of yourself, but what will happen because of that is that you will recognize it in other people and slowly eliminate the toxicity in your life. And that can be a wonderful, it is a wonderful thing. That can be an amazing thing because you start to see behaviors that you didn't recognize before, not only because you thought it was normal because that's who you were and everyone must do that, or you'll see behavior that you never saw before because that's who they've been all their life. Like there were behaviors in my mom that were very non-confrontational, very people-pleasing, and some might still be there, but um, I haven't seen that too often anymore. But I started seeing those behaviors when I learned about honoring my boundaries. Honoring your boundaries means you're more direct. You tell people what's acceptable and what's not. And so when you see someone that is people-pleasing, not honoring their boundaries, it is like a fire at midnight in the dark woods. You know exactly where that fire is when you're walking through the dark woods because it lights up the forest through the trees way over there, and you're just going to follow that to the light. So that's what I mean. Is like It exposes where you're hiding, and that's the wonderful thing about improving yourself and doing all this work on yourself because as you heal from your own stuff, you recognize it in others, and then it's revealed to you their behaviors, which used to be your own behaviors, at least some of them, And when you see it, you can choose to either call it out, ignore it, or just make a little mental note that that's how they behave and that's good to know, or talk about it, whatever you want to do. But once you're aware of it, it is very easy to spot it in others, typically, unless they're like a super-duper master manipulator, which there are some people out there like that. There are some people that can dupe you easily, and those people are harder to spot. But... This one sounds a little bit easier. This one sounds like a person who's being very overtly passive-aggressive and you're just not recognizing it. So you have your wife to help you recognize it and start making those markers in your brain so that when it happens, either in you or in him, you can replay it back in your head and ask yourself, how is this passive-aggressive? Or how is this indirect? Or another question, how could I reword that to be direct? What would that sound like? And then when you know what it sounds like, you can start to recognize it that way as well. But to your direct question, how do I protect myself and others? I think the best way to do it is to ask someone to clarify it, to be more specific, to force them to say what's really on their mind or backpedal so that they don't have to deal with it. And the more you do this, this is the last part of this, the more you do this, the less they'll do that. In other words, the more you ask them to clarify and be more specific, like, I don't understand. Could you be more specific? What are you talking about? Who are you talking about? Then the less they'll want to be passive aggressive because they will realize their passive aggressiveness is getting them results that they don't want. And that's the closure on this. When you want to stop someone else's passive aggressive behavior, you reveal it in a way that they are uncomfortable with and they don't want to do that behavior again because they're always being revealed. It's like they're being exposed and they don't like that. Passive-aggressive people don't want to be exposed. They want to stay behind the curtain. They want to be hidden. And they want their words to hurt or have an effect on you without them being responsible for those words. They're hoping you will interpret their words in a way that makes you feel bad about yourself or makes you feel bad about what you did, but they don't want to be responsible for actually saying those words, which is why you ask them, can you please be more specific? Or a better question, I think, is what do you mean by that? Because that's going to force them to go someplace they don't want to go. You do that enough with someone who's very passive-aggressive, they're not going to want to do that behavior around you again. And if they do they're a glutton for punishment or they're just not getting it or you're not following through enough. Like if you ask the question, what do you mean by that? And then they say something else passive aggressive. You have to pretend that you know none of the facts. If they say, well, somebody did this, somebody caused this problem, obviously, you might have to ask, who do you mean? Or who do you think it was? 
You know, get specific. There's a reason it's called passive. It's because it's not direct. It's not specific. You've got to remove the ambiguity. Before I sound like a broken record, I'm going to end this segment here. <laughs> and you, you get the picture. You know what I'm talking about. I hope it helps. I'm sure there's probably more steps I could add to that. But I think that's a good start. I think you'll have to give me an update on that and see how that works. I appreciate this message. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And we're about to end the show. I'm going to come back with my thank yous and goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you, you'll get a full month of courses, their entire library, over at thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain. And I also want to remind you of BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com, that's betterhelp.com forward slash brain, and get 10% off your first month. I also want to thank our financial backers of the show. These are the patrons that give every month or once a year. They are Vanessa, Julia, Adriana, Holly, Lucy, Anna, Maud, Ron, Elaine, Brian, Chelsea, um, Maud again, <laughs> put you in there twice. And uh, I would like to welcome Deborah. Deborah, you're very generous with your donation every month. Thank you so much for joining the patron program and expressing your gratitude financially, to be quite specific. You're expressing your gratitude financially, and I am so grateful for that. And it does help the show continue going and growing and moving forward. And it warms my heart that you're a part of the program. So thank you, everyone, for being a part of the program and for joining and for showing your support. If you find value in this show, you can show your support over at moretob.com, and you'll have options over there. And, of course, if you join the monthly patron program, you'll get all the videos and audios and uh, workbooks that I offer over at moretob.com. So check it out if you're interested in that. Thanks again, patrons. I appreciate you. I also want to mention the Love and Abuse podcast. I started trickling into emotional abuse a little earlier. That's another podcast I do over at loveandabuse.com. If you want to know how to deal with difficult people and um, manipulative people, controlling people, and especially emotionally abusive people, head over to loveandabuse.com. I've got quite a few episodes over there. I've been doing it since uh, February of 2019, and um, I've gotten a lot of great feedback from people who've listened to that show and they tell me their revelations. They say, wow, I, I didn't even know this was happening in my relationship until I heard your show. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. And I thank you for tuning in and wanting to heal whatever relationship that you're in or heal yourself if that's what's needed. But I do get into difficult relationships and emotional abuse over at loveandabuse.com. So check that out if you're in a situation like that. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And I'm going to read you a heartwarming message I received because it makes me feel good. <laughs> Someone wrote to me and said, I have been listening to your podcast for close to a year. You and your teachings have changed my life. I'm 63, and for the very first time in my life, I felt what it feels like to be empowered. I know the importance of setting boundaries. I can identify manipulation and abuse, and I can articulate to myself and to the perpetrator my experience. I am careful to realize and acknowledge my part in dysfunction and conflict. And she put in all capital letters, thank you, Paul. You are amazing. That warms my heart. I am so grateful for your message. Thank you so much for taking the time to share that with me. That makes me feel so good that at any age, your life can change. And, you know, 63, some people will be like, what? I'm 23 and my life is over. This sucks. Everything is a challenge. And, you know, I have all these toxic people in my life and it's never going to change. The younger you are, it sure seems like the harder it is to believe that life is going to change or get easier or people are going to not be in your life anymore or you believe that people are never going to change around you uh, you just believe that this is how the world's going to be from this point on and then you get into your 30s and you start thinking well maybe that's not always true but life can still be hard then you get into your 40s and you think 
Well, I've been through a lot. There's been a lot of things going on in my life, and I really thought it was going to be that way forever, but uh, so many things have changed. That tattoo I got when I was 20 doesn't apply anymore. <laughs> Some things have changed so much, so radically, that I have a totally different belief system. I have totally different values. And what I thought was going to be unhappiness forever wasn't forever. It was just temporary. And you start reaching your 50s and maybe even your 60s as you get older and have more and more things happen to you and for you and life experiences happen and people come in and out of your life. You gain love, you lose love, you have people pass on and you move through different careers. I mean, there's everything that could possibly happen to you in life starts to happen more and more as you get older. And I know for some people that sounds scary. Some people might think, well, I don't want any more to happen to me. But if you think that, don't worry because what ends up happening is that you start appreciating things more. You start loving people in a different way. You start realizing how precious life is and you are grateful for so much more and you know, hopefully this is you. Hopefully, if it's not you, you're learning about it. But the only reason I'm saying all this is because when I was in my 20s, I thought this is how life is going to be forever. And it wasn't. This was not how life was going to, going to be forever. I thought I was going to be with that girl forever. Nope. I thought I was going to have this job for at least a few more years. Nope. It changed the next day. I thought I was going to be in this state. I thought I was going to be in this country. I thought I was going to be all these things that you think are going to stay the same, they don't. And if that sounds scary to you, let me say this. Anything that happens that is hard for you and challenging and scary and sad and hurtful and makes you angry changes. And if it doesn't, this is the stuff we work on. We work on the stuff that we aren't changing from that makes us feel bad. This is why we listen to shows like this or seek help and information like this or talk to a therapist. We want to work on things that make us feel bad because when we do, we not only become more resilient, but we become more appreciative. And this is the difference I've found is that as you become more resilient and more appreciative and also more willing to be direct and not passive, telling people what you will accept and what you won't, honoring yourself, honoring your boundaries, moving into a space of empowerment, then what used to be hard isn't hard anymore. I mean, it's still challenging maybe, but it's not hard anymore. For example, dealing with my alcoholic abusive stepfather for so many years until my 40s when I realized I could empower myself by being more direct with him and honoring myself if he wants to violate some boundary of mine or someone I love. And the first time I did it, it was scary as hell, but it empowered me. And this is what I'm talking about, is that you can have certain people in your life that you just can't stand to be around. But then you realize, hey, wait, I'm no longer six years old around this person. I'm 63. <laughs> I've got six decades on this. Uh, I don't have to act like a little child around this person anymore. I don't have to submit to their ways. I don't have to conform to what they want me to be. I'm a full-grown adult now. I don't need to do this anymore. This is something I realize. I don't have to be a kid anymore. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a kid. I loved being a kid, and sometimes I still am. <laughs> it's just that I don't have to respond like the scared, powerless child I was for so long, even when I was no longer a child. We bring that scared, powerless child into challenging situations. Of course, the other person's going to, quote, win. We're not going to win because we're a scared, powerless child. Until we say to ourselves, wait, I'm an adult now. I'm older. I'm more wise. I have more resources now. I have taken care of myself. I have moved into a different space in my life. So why am I still responding to this toxic person as the little child I was? If they're physically violent or scary to be around, why are they still in my life? That would be a great question, and I know that's a tough one to answer for some people. 
sometimes you can't get out of certain situations, but there are some people in our lives that we keep around for some reason, and why are we doing that? And then there are some people that, yeah, maybe they have to be in our lives, but we are still scared of them in some way. Why are we still scared 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years later? Sometimes you have to make the decision to make the change. And I don't care what age you are. Uh, This is probably the second person that wrote to me um, that is in an age range where some people may think, well, life's over. I'm not going to make any changes now. This is it. Some people are like that. Some people reach a certain age and think, well, I've gone this long and there's nothing else I can do. So I'm just going to live the rest of my life like this. That person's always going to be toxic. That person's always going to be a thorn in my side. So there's nothing I can do about it because I'm this age. Yet, I just heard from a 70-plus-year-old person uh, a few weeks ago that said, you know what, I'm changing my life. I'm in a marriage that's uh, five decades old, and I'm sick of being emotionally abused. I'm making changes that are right for me. I need to. This is what I need to do. I don't care what age you are. My mom met her new boyfriend at 74. (laughs) She got out of her emotionally and physically abusive relationship of 40 years And she spent several years by herself, alone, and she was happy to do that because it was much easier and much happier being alone than being with that person. And then, out of the blue, this young guy comes up to her and says, you know, I've been wanting to ask you out. (laughs) And she's like, what? Uh, I'm 74. I don't think she said this, but she was thinking, I'm 74. You're kind of young. He just was attracted to her and loved her personality and everything about her. And um, she decided, okay, I'll go out on a date with you. And from that point on, he treated her like gold and he still treats her like a queen. And she loves being with this guy and they are living together and she's never been happier. She is so happy in this relationship. And it took a long time for her to get there. And she had no idea that this would ever happen. She had already closed the door to any possible or potential relationship. She never thought it was going to happen. And then suddenly out of the blue, somebody comes along and was compelled to ask her on a date. And I believe it happened to her, not because she was looking for it, but because she finally let go of the idea that she would ever get it. And I'm not saying you have to believe this way. I'm not saying that this is absolute certainty is going to happen to anyone that does this. But I have learned to adopt the philosophy that when you let go of what you want most, good things can happen. And that is very hard for me to say only because I know some people are out there saying, I've let that go 20 years ago and I still have no relationship or I still don't have what I want. Or, you know, there's all kinds of thoughts that come up there. But what happened with my mom and what happened with me before I met my girlfriend, who I hope I spend the rest of my life with, We came to a decision that the way things are today are fine the way they are. And I will be okay if nothing ever changes. That's a tough one because some people have been the same way for a long time. And I'm not saying that this happens with absolute certainty. I'm just saying this is what I've adopted because sometimes life happens. You can't change the events. You can't change the circumstances. And if you can come to a level of acceptance that this is the way it is, nothing will ever change, and I'm okay with that, at least if nothing ever changes, you'll feel a little bit better about things because you've accepted it. And if something does change, then it becomes a bonus. This is not going to apply to everyone. I realize that. I know there are people out there that totally disagree with this and totally think that I am way off the mark, and I understand that, and you have every right to feel that way. All I know is that you never know. You can't predict. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next year or when you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, or even 90s. You have no idea. You have no idea what's going to happen. So it's almost unfair of you to say it'll never happen to me. It's almost unfair to say that because you may not be giving life enough chance to evolve and open up before your eyes. But again, I understand that some people have been waiting all their lives and they think that this is the way it is and they don't like it, but they're just going to have to deal with it. I get that too. And I I don't want to discount that for those people. I don't want to invalidate that for anyone listening. 
All I know is something I said a lot earlier in the show is that you are absolutely worthy and lovable and important and significant and you deserve good people in your life. You deserve to be loved. You deserve compassion, kindness, and respect. And I want you to believe that no matter who is in or who isn't in your life, you deserve all those things because you've listened this long. (laughs) You've listened this long to me. Even if it's just this one episode, you got this far and I'm still rambling and you're still listening. That tells me that you want to improve yourself, that you want to know what else there is that you can do in your life to make your life better and to show up on this planet as the best version of yourself. And because of that, you are everything I just said and more. And let me tell you this one more thing. And before I say it, I just want to ask you to keep an open mind because when you keep an open mind, this helps you step into your power. I want you to be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I know with 100% certainty, you are amazing. Amazing.